0: Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Deeper Daily Podcast. Paul White here. Thanks for joining me as we make the transition today in the story of Mark 5 from one story to the next. Mark 5 is an amazing chapter in that it really contains two stories of deliverance and one side story of healing, Uh, I guess you could say deliverance from from demonic uh, demonization um, healing, and then a a raising from the dead or a uh, restoration of life. So there's a lot goes on in this chapter, but the real contrast seems to be between the young man and the young woman. There's a story of the woman with the issue of blood that's sort of squeezed into this, and I'm going to try to un- try to let you know why I think that is over the next few days, but I, I think it's a good way to frame Mark 5 is to see it as contrasting ways, perhaps, that society treats boys and girls, uh, men and women. I'm I'm not trying to advocate that it's right or wrong, but it seems to be at least as old as the time of the Bible. No one is in defense of the young man. Someone is in defense of the young woman. And maybe I'm reading too much into that, but I've just noticed that society tends to be that way. And my heart breaks for young men in that situation. And it doesn't mean that I don't have compassion on young women, but I do see us um I, I do see this playing out. And I, I think if we if we see it, we should at least acknowledge it. And again, I'm not claiming knowledge over what to do about that, but I think it's stark. Let's start the reading in verse 21 of Mark 5, Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him and he was by the sea. We we get the assumption that he comes right back to where he had been the day before, but he could have also just moved on to another coastal village. Now it's not an enormous lake. It does seem as if he's just crossing one side to the other side. What we do know is he's no longer in the land of the Gadarenes. He might be... Right back at the shore he was in in Mark 4. In either case, the same multitude that he left two days ago gathers again, plus this guy. Verse 22: Behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Not to make too big of a deal of this, because the text doesn't make a huge deal of it, but it does say it. It didn't have to say it. And when it says something, it's doing it for a reason. Behold the ruler, one of the rulers of the synagogue. Could have just left that out. Could have just said a guy come up to Jesus. But it names him, which tells us he was a real person and he was probably a person of great prominence for two reasons. One, he's a ruler of the synagogue. That's a big time title. But two, he's named. And ruler of the synagogue really is a lay job. He's not a priest. He's not an elected official. He's not royalty. But his responsibility is very important, particularly religiously, and I would even say socially important, because it includes the upkeep of the synagogue, physically upkeeps the synagogue, and then also spiritually, he conducts the service. It's the ruler of the synagogue who sets the order of service and even chooses the Torah reading. So when Jesus read, he's in Nazareth, and he read from Torah, or he read from the the prophets. He re- actually read from Isaiah in Luke four. The ruler of the synagogue would have set that service up. I'm not insinuating that ruler was Jairus because we that's Nazareth, and we we don't know that we're in Nazareth here. In fact, we're probably not. But that's a similar role. We might actually think in Christian terms of a pastor, someone who sort of takes care, especially in the environments of pastorhood that I come up in. Pastor has different definitions to different people, but to me, the pastor takes care of stuff. He takes care of the building. Uh, He makes sure things are ready to go. He sets the service. He picks the scripture. Um, There's a lot more that he does, of course, and in some situations, everything I just described is nothing that he does. But, it, for the most part, he's sort of over a local congregation. That would have been a ruler. So uh, he's, he holds a, pr- a position of somewhat prominence. Let's say it that way. He falls down at the feet of Jesus in verse 23, begs him earnestly saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. My little daughter would indicate that she's prepubescent. She would have been a young woman otherwise, or she would have been a woman and she would have been soon to marry to be a young my little daughter uh, means that she's a girl, she's a little girl. Uh, we're going to find out that she's twelve years old um, and we and, and in in that 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 makes sense that she's little daughter she's lies at the point of death. come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. And that's going to lead us to the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I want you to consider some stuff as we read, as we get ready for this story to really come alive starting tomorrow. Here's some things I want you to think about. Jesus has the power to speak the word and people are healed. Jesus is once approached by a centurion who tells him about his servant that is sick. And Jesus says, well, let's go to your house and I'll heal him. And the man says, oh no, I'm not worthy to step under my roof. You just speak the word. And that was impressive. Jesus says, this is great faith. So we know that that exists. Now you could say, well, no one in that world at this point knows that. So, and, and maybe people haven't figured that out, but we're about to encounter a woman on the way to Jairus's house, who believes that if she could just touch Jesus' clothing, she could be healed. So the word's out. This guy's special. But I want you to notice that Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house to save his little daughter. And Jesus doesn't argue. He just goes. So here's the thought I want you to have today. Stir this over. Pray it over. And get ready for tomorrow's podcast. Jesus meets us at the end of our faith. The best you can do in believing is enough to move the heart of God. Maybe you need Jesus to come all the way to your house to touch your daughter. Maybe you believe you can reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Maybe you believe you could just speak the word and your servant is healed. But it's what you believe. It's according to your faith. So instead of trying to jump through faith hoops, let's realize that Jesus jumps through whatever size hoop we give him. That's something to think about. We're going to go on this journey tomorrow, and we'll see you then. God bless.